When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We are on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Um, today, I figured I'd hop on the uh, the mic here <clears throat> and talk about my story and how to lose weight, or just kind of some tips and things that I've personally used in my life to uh, make sure that my weight loss kind of goes as it's uh, planned. Currently, I do use Carbon Diet Coach. It's ten dollars a month, or eight dollars a month for a year, seven fifty for a year. I'm not exactly sure, but um. It really takes a lot of the guesswork out when it comes to eating and guessing your calories and figuring out what you're doing whenever you have a certain goal in mind. Um, this developed by Lane Norton. You can find it in all different stores. Like I said, I personally use that and I find that's very, very helpful. But um, not everybody's me. <laughs> not everybody has physique goals. Not everybody has, um, you know, is willing to do what I do where you weigh out food and you track your calories to the gram of what you're eating to make sure that you're either gaining, losing, maintaining, or whatever have you. So um, I don't know exactly how long this is gonna go, but I have a whole bunch of uh, science pictures and other stuff pulled up so that way we can uh, kind of flesh this out to the best of my ability and hopefully get you going on improving your health today is, is a huge goal of this podcast, honestly. Um, at one point, um, probably about three or four years ago, when I initially met my fiance, we've been dating for now since September of 2018. Um, I was, I would not say I was necessarily depressed. Um, I perhaps had symptoms of depression, but I was never clinically diagnosed. So I don't say that I am or was, but definitely had a lot of mood issues, digestive issues, um, didn't feel good. I was very achy. Um, I had suicidal thoughts quite a bit for a long time until I had really looked at my diet seriously and considered, um, you know, losing weight. So I had heard of this crazy, wacky carnivore diet um, from Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan, and then obviously his daughter, Michaela. And I seen all these other people um, doing the carnivore diet and having wildly great success and losing a whole ton of weight. Um, we'll get into that and as to why that works a little bit later, but um, I kept hearing about it. And I remember I went a weekend and I only ate meat, right? I just did the carnivore diet for a weekend and I've felt amazing. And 
I figured, okay, well, I guess back to you know business as usual. So this was back in August of 2018, I want to say. So my fiance and I hadn't started dating yet, but it was we were talking. So um, I did that for a weekend and then came back to work on Monday and I kind of started business as usual, you know, eating tons of protein bars and salads and stuff like that. And I remember eating a salad and getting really bloated and then having to go to the bathroom. And I said, all right, I'm done. <laughs> this is it. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do the carnivore diet and I'm going to, you know, see where that leads me. So I started and I literally ate nothing but like turkey, bacon, eggs, steak, sausage for about a month. And I felt horrid initially. Um, I was losing weight, but I did not feel good. I had no energy. And then my brother had threw it to me to, hey, why don't you try intermittent fasting, which is where you restrict the amount of time that you're taking in calories within a day. So um, I just started skipping breakfast because that's what everybody, you know, had popularly did. Um, I'll kind of touch on that a little bit later too and why I changed my mind on that. Um, so I started doing that and I felt a lot better. And then I started hearing from people, well, you need to have electrolytes. So when you get into a ketogenic diet or a low carb diet, like a carnivore diet, even the carnivore is not exactly ketogenic because it's too high protein. It's going to raise your insulin a little bit too much to be considered ketogenic. And um, your body does a process what's called gluconeogenesis, which is where your body turns protein into carbohydrate or into glucose in your bloodstream. Um, when you're on a zero carb, low carb diet, your body does not have as much glycogen or glucose in the blood. So you actually lose a lot more sodium. So you need to take in more sodium to kind of keep your body at a homeostasis. Um, so once I started fasting and taking electrolytes, all was good. But, um, you know, I did that for about two and a half, yeah, about two years. And I'd noticed that I would be good for a week, maybe two weeks. And then I would have these horrible binging episodes where I would just eat two cheesecakes. I'd have a blizzard from Dairy Queen, go to the Meadows here in Pennsylvania and get a uh, s'more sundae and just down a whole bunch of junk food. And it had never occurred to me that I was really starving myself because I thought I was eating a whole ton. And I started tracking more towards the end there. And I found out I was eating anywhere from about 1800 to about 2800 calories a day. Um, and then on those binge days, sometimes I would have upwards of 7,000 freaking calories a day. I mean, that's a lot of freaking food, but it's all very highly palatable stuff. That's very just easy to overconsume. So um, I eventually got to the point where I realized, well, this isn't working anymore. And my goals are changing where I want to start building more muscle and I need to do something that's a little bit more sustainable. So um, my fiance and I had went down to Florida in june of last year and i was still on the carnivore diet but you know of course you're on vacation so you know all no bars hold let's rock and roll um and i ate a whole fuck ton and then i came back and i decided all right well you know i'm gonna get carbon diet coach or i'm gonna start introducing carbohydrates because i thought it was always carbohydrates that kind of made me fat and i couldn't handle them because i would overeat well it turns out if you moderate your intake and you're careful and you're measured about your approach then you won't gain weight and you won't binge if you're, you know, careful and kind of understand what you're doing. So um, I started reintroducing carbohydrates and that was, you know, a 
almost a year ago now it'll be a year june but i mean i've been off the carnivore diet for about eight months and i feel so much better um that's not to say that the carnivore diet's bad but for me it just was not sustainable because i was having these binging episodes um i also did a lot of fasts um the longest fast i ever did was about 130 hours which is about five and a half days so i came back from ocean city on vacation of course and i gained 20 pounds literally within the course of a week this should kind of tell you how deprived I was, how much I wasn't eating or, you know, how much I was starving myself essentially. Cause when I got down there, there was no bars holding. I was eating like an asshole. So I gained a whole bunch of weight. Well, I fasted for five and a half days and I lost that 20 pounds. And, um, yeah, I, I felt fine during the fast, but, um, what I also didn't know at the time was that I probably lost a lot of lean mass as well which, you know, lean mass is the stuff that you want to hold on to, you know, you want to have as much muscle as freaking possible. So that way you can go kill the mammoth or, you know, maintain a higher metabolism because your muscle is very calorically expensive. So, um, yeah, I did do a lot of fast. I did a three day fast every month, but, um, as we're going to dive into a little bit later here, um, perhaps it's not optimal for maintaining muscle mass. And, um, as far as I could tell, fasting is only good as far as the caloric restriction that it imposes. So um, let's kind of look at pictures here. I'm gonna show you my physique throughout the uh, last couple of years. It's a little bit weird for me just because, you know, I'm not like a physique model, although I do have certain goals to uh, achieve. So um, right here, this was me when I was about 250 pounds back in August of 2018. Um, a lot of people never believed I was 250 pounds, but I was, and it was, uh, you know, I, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good at all. So, um, moving fast forwarding here about a year later, this is me about 185 ish pounds. You can see, I got veins coming out of the bicep and out of the shoulder a little bit. Um, I'm turning to make my waist look a little bit small. You can see a little bit of definition of the abs, right? It's a straightforward shot of me flexing, um, about 185 as well. No real visual abs, but it's a little bit there. My guess is probably around like 15 to 18% body fat. Um, I, I don't have this laser eye vision of, you know, being able to tell people's body fat perfectly. But I was doing the carnivore diet and I was training my ass off two days a week, or um, I'm sorry, each body part two times a week to get as much muscle as possible. And, um, it, it definitely worked and I felt good, but, um, you know, that was only about a year or so in. So this was me about back in September, I was 179 pounds, visual abs, eating about 150 grams of carbohydrates a day, probably about 180 grams of fat and 200 grams of protein. This is the leanest I've ever been in my adult life. And honestly, I did not feel that good. Um, it was difficult to maintain that. Um, I was eating about 2,500 calories a day. But for me and all I do, that's really not that much. So you can see I'm pretty lean, some uh, definition or quite a bit of definition in the shoulders. But once again, I just did not feel that good. So because that was too low for my body fat. So um, Stan Efforting always likes to say he's one of my favorite people in this whole health sphere. Um, compliance is the science, but that's absolutely true. All these diets work because of the caloric deficit they impose. Um, notice I'm not saying eat less, move more, although that's technically true. You technically have to do that. Um, I don't just tell people that because there's no actionable advice there. Um, I posted up a tweet the other day and I kind of, I don't want to say I got raked up the coals, but I think people kind of missed my point when I had put that out there. So um, 
I said saying taxation is theft is about as much of a solution as saying eating a you know caloric deficit. Just telling people that is. Um, yes, they're both true, but what's the call to action here? So we're going to go over a little bit of the call to action. Perhaps what you could do to lose weight and improve your health here in this podcast. Um, yes, you need a caloric deficit to lose weight. You have to eat less energy than you're taking, or um put out more energy than you're taking in in order to lose weight. But once again, what does that look like? Well, for every person, it's going to be different. Right now, I eat about 3,500 calories a day trying to gain weight and gain muscle. So that way, you know, I can increase my lean mass and then I'm going to eventually go to a caloric deficit to get leaner. But once again, my goals change. So my diet, the way I eat and what I eat is going to change based on those goals. Um, what a caloric deficit looks like for me versus my fiance versus you versus your wife or boyfriend. That's all going to depend on where you're at, how much you weigh, what your activities like so many different variables um, that will um, kind of um, put you where you're at, right? Um, if you're a 35 year old male who's 30% body fat, your you know, caloric needs are going to be completely different from mine. Um, they have all sorts of different calculators. They're all, I don't want to say accurate or inaccurate. You're just going to have to kind of see what you do. And it's probably going to be easiest if you track, but um, you don't have to, but it's the same thing as saying like you can save money without having a budget, but it's probably easier if you have a budget. So that way, once again, you know what you're putting out and what you're taking in. So um, let's kind of go through a little bit of the stuff that I found useful Um in helping me lose weight and maintaining the weight loss. And we'll also go through the science of where does your body fat go when you lose weight. Um, here we go. This real quick. Um, where does your body fat go when you lose weight? This is from the Cleveland Clinic. Um, what happens when body fat, or what happens to body fat when you shed pounds? Do you sweat it out, pee it out, or breathe it out? The answer is yes, yes, and yes. Um, the majority of weight loss is not from the exercise that you do or for the weights that you lift or the cardio that you do. That actually um, only amounts to about 20% of the total body or of the total weight loss and calories out equation. These little things that we wear on our wrists, right? I wear one. This just to kind of give me a average and kind of make sure, um, keep track of the activity I'm doing every single day. You know, when I go for walks, when I go um, walk on the treadmill, when I go work out, whatever I do. Um, it just kind of keeps an average of all the steps. So that way I kind of know that I'm getting a, roughly the same amount of activity every day, or at least meeting a bare minimum. Um, how on earth does this happen? Quote, it helps understand that our bodies are designed to store excess energy in fat cells. Um, if you're carrying extra pounds, it means you're taking in more energy than you're using. The extra energy is sorted in adipose tissue all around your body in forms of triglycerides. Uh, triglycerides are just fats, right? Um, you see MCT, medium chain triglycerides. Um, smaller amounts of energy are stored in your liver and muscles as glycogen, which comes from carbohydrates. So when you eat carbohydrates, eventually that passes through your blood and then it gets stored into your liver and your muscles as a form of energy glycogen. When you go on a low carbohydrate diet, your body um, loses some of that glycogen because um, you're not taking in exogenous glucose or carbohydrates. So how does your body use energy in more ways than you would think? When you're resting, your heart needs energy to pump your lungs need to breathe and your brain to think. That's your basal metabolism or your basal metabolic rate. Um, that's just going to be your basic metabolic rate just to kind of keep the lights on, keep you breathing and keep you functioning. 
Um, when you're active, your muscles need energy, whether you're only getting up from a chair or running a marathon. So once again, kind of the stuff I'm doing here, um, moving around, even moving my hand, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis is what that's called. So as I'm moving my hands, whenever you're talking, whatever you're doing, just kind of walking around, um, that's actually a majority of your calories out per day. Um, and when you're eating, your digestive system needs energy to break down and store food. So um, when you eat 10 calories of protein, then 30% of those calories are going to be used in the digestion alone. So um, that's why I'm such a big advocate of protein, but we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Um, so what happens to body fat when you die? When you die, you take in fewer calories than your body needs because of this deficit, your body turns to fat reserves for energy. Your body must dispose of fat deposits through a series of complicated metabolic pathways. The byproducts of fat metabolism leave your body as water through your skin when you sweat, in your kidneys when you urinate, and as carbon dioxide through your lungs when you breathe out. So just breathing, you're expending energy. So don't sit here and think you can just <laughs> breathe really fast and expend energy. That's not going to happen. Um, you may raise your heart rate, but that's not going to just, you know, expel the fat from your body. Um, quote, meanwhile, fat breakdown liberates energy for biological functions of physical activity. He says it also generates heat, which keeps your body's temperature normal. So a calorie is a unit or a measurement of heat, right? Um, what happens to body fat when you exercise? Your, your muscles first burn through stored glycogen for energy. After about 30 to 60 minutes of aerobic exercise, your body starts burning mainly fat. Um, if you're exercising moderately, this takes about an hour. Experts recommend at least 30 minutes of cardio two to three times a week. They also recommend weightlifting or resistance training. Increasing muscle mass may help you burn more calories and raise your basic metabolic rate. Exercise also increases your resp respiratory rate, so more CO2 leaves your body when you work out. Um, about exercise and weight loss, exercise key to weight loss into maintaining that weight loss, but it may take time to move the number on the scale. So be patient. Everyone's response to exercise varies. Some people lose weight, others maintain it. And a few may even gain a few pounds generally. However, people who successfully lose weight and keep it off tend to be physically active up to an hour a day. He says, engaging in some form of exercise three times per week is highly recommended. Um, for to my, or refer to my episode 49 for um, how I train and um, protein and building muscle. That's kind of get, kind of give you a basic breakdown on you know how to get started on building muscle, resistance training, stuff like that. Um, so now you may ask, well, why can't I just intermittently fast? Well, intermittent intermittent fasting is a tool in the toolbox, right? You can use it to lose weight because you're going to restrict the amount of time that you're taking in calories. So that's going to just naturally alleviate some of that time spent eating. Um, personally, I don't do it anymore because the research I had seen had convinced me otherwise. So here we got, is muscle and protein loss relevant in long-term fasting and healthy men? A prospective trial on physiological adaptations from PubMed. Um, this study kind of breaks down why I personally no longer fast and what happens when you go on extended fasts. Um, fasting is attracting an interest is a potential strategy for managing diseases, including metabolic disorders and complementary cancer therapy. Despite concerns of clinicians regarding protein catabolism and muscle loss, evidence-based clinical data in response to long-term fasting in healthy humans are scarce. The objective of this study was to measure clinical constants, met, clinical constants, metabolic and muscular response in healthy men during 
and after a 10-day fast combined with physical activity program. Um, so the methods they used 16 men um, just to kind of analyze this. It's a pretty small trial, but I think it's it's a little bit significant and no one really does 10 day fast. That's pretty extreme. Like I said, the longest one I ever did was about five and a half days. And uh, yeah, it's it's quite a while to go without food. <laughs> um, the results, the 10 day fast decreased body weight by 7% and basal metabolic rate by 12%. Fat and lean soft tissues accounted for 40% and 60% of weight loss respectively. Water, muscle and liver glycogen associated water and metabolic active lean tissue, um, plasma 3-methylhistidine increased until five-day fasting, the decreased suggestion that protein sparing might follow earlier proteolysis. Um, daily steps count decreased or increased by 60% during the fasting period. Strength was maintained in non-weight bearing muscles and increased in bearing muscles. Glycemia, insulinemia, blood lipids, and blood pressure dropped during the fast, while non-esterified fatty acid and urine, urinary beta-hydroxybutyrate increased. After a transient reduction, inflammatory cytokines returned to baseline at day 10 of fasting and LST were still lower than baseline values. Conclusions, a 10-day uh, fast appears to be safe in healthy humans. Protein loss occurs early in the fast, but decreases as ketogenesis increases. Fasting combined with physical activity does not negatively impact muscle function. Future studies will need to confirm these first findings. Um, as you see there, they do mention that you have some lean mass loss after a longer fast. There are plenty of other studies that actually suggest this as well. So um, for me personally, I eat about five times a day, right? I wake up around 4.30. I have a breakfast around 5 to 5.30. Around 8 o'clock, I have some protein snacks. And then at lunchtime, I have a pretty decent sized lunch with, you know, obviously about every meal I have during the day is about 30 to 60 grams of protein. Um, as we covered in the podcast on episode 49, um, you need about 25 grams of protein to trigger muscle protein synthesis, which is the process where your body starts to build muscle. So, um, yeah, I have a meal for breakfast, a morning snack, essentially a lunch, a afternoon snack, and then a dinner which is usually a little bit lighter, um, just so that way I'm maximizing the amount of time I remain anabolic, right? I want to build as much muscle as possible, so I'm going to eat that many times throughout the day to peak muscle protein synthesis. Um, as my goals change, as they will here shortly, um, this podcast will be released on February 21st. Um, I want to lose weight, so I may decrease the amount of times I eat per day because I'm going to have to eat less calories so that way I can lose weight. So what are some things you can do and introduce into your diet to help you lose weight? Well, me personally, I'm a huge fan of barbecue sauce. So um, this stuff is like heaven to me. G Hughes barbecue sauce. Um, if you are sensitive to sulfites um, from like apple cider vinegar, you might want to avoid this stuff. Um, there's all sorts of other sugar-free barbecue sauces that have sucralose. Um, if you can't tolerate that, then there are others that are maybe sweet with stevia. Um, I can tolerate this stuff pretty well. So I have a whole ton of it. I absolutely love this GU stuff. They have all sorts of different flavors, um, hickories, um, sweet and spicy. I absolutely love that flavor. Um, honey barbecue. They also have like Carolina gold. These are absolutely fantastic and they're way less calorically dense 
than your average barbecue sauce, your Kraft, Heinz, whatever. Um, highly recommend this stuff and you can get a whole ton of it and not really get that many calories in. So um, once again, just cannot recommend that stuff enough. Walden Farm Syrup, this stuff is also fantastic. They say it's calorie free. There are some calories in it, but um, it's gonna be negligible. And if you think that you're gaining weight because of the Walden Farm Syrup, you're using either you're drinking the whole bottle <laughs> or um, you're not measuring the rest of your food accurately. So um, they also make coffee creamers that are calorie free, that um, taste fantastic. Um, once again, can't recommend this stuff enough either. Um, if you're a huge fan of syrups, you see I got blueberry, caramel, chocolate, pancake, raspberry. So pretty much everything you could want. You can find this stuff on um, Amazon, wherever. And, you know, if you're enjoying pancakes, which you can, um, you just want to make them higher in protein. They have all sorts of different protein pancake mixes that you can get to uh, get a little bit more protein and make the pancakes a little bit calorically dense and you know help you lose weight and you can use this stuff on it and it's fantastic i do it almost every single weekend and i also use um lily's chocolate chips actually let me pull that up here i should have had that uh, ready to go chocolate chips um these are a lot less calorically dense they taste great i put them in um <laughs> chocolate chip waffles every weekend um just absolutely love them can't recommend them enough either so also monk fruit this um it's a calorie-free sweetener. Um, some people say that it raises your blood sugar. Actually, I have it up here in Amazon. Sorry, let me get this all organized. Um, this is like a brown sugar kind of replacement for me. A uh, little trick that I do, I get ham and then I'll cook the ham in a skillet and I'll kind of drizzle this on there. It is out of this freaking world. Fantastic. Um, they also have like a white one. Here, your classic white. You use that in coffee or whatever. When you're, even if you're baking, let's say, if you want to make a little bit of a uh, treat, then you can use this stuff. Um, works very well. I use it all the time. It tastes just like sugar to me, in my opinion, but without all the calories, it's not going to bump up your blood sugar. So you get that, you know, spike in your insulin and blood sugar, and then you crash. You feel like crap. Um, absolutely love this stuff. Cannot recommend it enough. Um, you can find this literally everywhere. Walmart, you name it, you're going to find it. Um, yeah, recommend this stuff. Uh, Walden Farms, Lily's Chocolate Chips, G. Hughes, all that stuff. Um, just kind of a little bit less calorically dense toppings that you can still enjoy kind of those sweet flavors without having to sacrifice them, right? Um, so here we're also going to talk about protein because I believe protein is the most important macronutrient for not only building muscle, but also for satiety. So um, effects of high protein versus high fat snacks on appetite control, satiety, eating, initiation, and healthy women. Um, so I just want to read through this real quick. I will put the study in the show notes as I always do. Um, 20 healthy women completed randomized crossover design study, which included um, three eight-hour testing days comparing the following 160 calorie afternoon snacks, high protein yogurt, 14 grams of protein, um, high fat crackers, um, zero grams of protein, 19 grams of carbohydrates, and nine grams of fat, high fat chocolate. Um, participants were acclimated to each snack for three consecutive days. On day four, participants consumed a standardized breakfast, lunch, and their respective snack was consumed three hours post-lunch. Perceived hunger and fullness were assessed throughout the afternoon until dinner was voluntarily requested. 
An ad libitum dinner was then provided. Consumption of the yogurt snack led to greater reductions in afternoon hunger versus chocolate. No differences in afternoon fullness were detected. The yogurt snack also delayed eating initiation by approximately 30 minutes compared to the chocolate snack and approximately 20 minutes versus the crackers. The yogurt snack led to approximately 100 few calories consumed at dinner versus the crackers and the chocolate. No other differences were detected. Um, now that may not sound that significant, but you have to think over the course of a week because you're looking at the span of time that this caloric deficit is maintained. Um, that's 700 calories a week. There's 3,500 calories in a pound of fat. So right there, if you multiply that out, um, you have almost a pound a month. Nah. Actually, yeah, you would have over a pound a month in calories just by increasing your protein that little bit speaks for itself. Um, another study, dietary protein and its role in satiety, energetics, weight loss, and health. Um, they just have the abstract here. Once again, we'll put that below. Obesity is a serious problem because of its comorbidities. The solution implying weight loss and long-term maintenance is conditional on sustained satiety despite negative energy balance, sustained basal energy expenditure despite body weight loss due to sparing of fat-free mass um, being the main determinant of basal energy expenditure. Excuse me, dietary protein has been shown to assist with meeting these conditions since amino acids act on relevant metabolic targets. This review deals with the effects of different protein diets during body weight loss and body weight maintenance. Thereafter, potential risks of high protein diet are dealt with. The required daily intake of 0.8 to 1.2 grams of kilogram per body weight, implying sustaining the original absolute protein intake and carbohydrate and fat restriction during an energy-restricted diet. The intake of 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight is beneficial to body composition and improves blood pressure. A too low absolute protein content of the diet contributes to the risk of body weight regain. The success of the so-called low-carb diet is usually that in high protein can be attributed to the relatively high protein co content per se, and not to the relatively lower carbohydrate content. Metabolic syndrome parameters restore mainly due to body weight loss with the indicated dosage. No kidney problems have been shown in healthy individuals. Inclusion dietary protein contributes to the treatment of obesity and the metabolic syndrome by acting on the relevant metabolic targets of satiety and energy expenditure and negative energy balance, thereby preventing a weight cycling effect. All right, we'll stop the share here. Um, so one of the reasons why the carnivore diet works so well is because de facto, you're going to significantly increase protein, which will significantly increase satiety. And you'll also reduce blood sugar spikes because you're not having, you're not having any carbohydrates. Um, so I heard Ben Greenfield on the Joe Rogan podcast once say that it's a lazy man way to health. Um, personally, no problem with that. If it gets people healthy, I don't care. Um, same way with um, libertarianism. If Donald Trump, if Marjorie Taylor Greene, or if any of these Republicans bring people to libertarianism to, um, you know, the non-aggression principle to the principles that this country was founded on, then I don't care. I do not care how you get there. If you get there, awesome. If you're able to maintain, great. Um, whatever gets people to health, whatever gets people to liberty, I'm all for. Whatever way you can do that is what I'm for. I'm cheering you on. Um, I hope everybody knows by now, I'm an open book. You can message me anytime. Kamatovic on Twitter, Kamatovic on Facebook, M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K. If you have any questions, um, if you want to chat, I will do my best to get back to you and give you um, the best information that I can to help you on your way to liberty and health. That's what this podcast is all about. Hopefully, I give people good information. Hopefully, what I put out here is valuable. Hopefully, um, 
making a change in somebody's lives. You know, that's, um, I think, what we all hope for. And I will continue to do that to the best of my ability. Uh, I've had plenty of great guests on that are more knowledgeable about this stuff than me. Listen to the podcast where I've had them on or just look them up by themselves. Um, Ted Naiman is one of my favorite people out there. Rob Goodwin's awesome. Um, Craig Emmerich, even though he's a carnivore guy, he's fantastic. Um, Phil Avadia, he's fantastic as well. Um, Mike Isretel, he's a little bit more of a carbohydrate guy. Nothing wrong with that. You know, once again, if it works, it works. So um, I hope this podcast helps. Once again, if you guys have any questions about stuff, just feel free to reach out to me and I will get back to you as fast as I can. And um, until next time, everybody, take care. And uh, thanks for listening. Give me a five-star rating and, you know, rock and roll, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.